Hello, hello. You are listening to Why the World Needs You podcast, hosted by me, Benjamin Fritz. This podcast has been created to empower you to become the person you've always wanted to be. The journey is difficult and the challenges are many, but the rewards of being true to yourself are immeasurable. The objective of this show is to give you a safe, supportive space to learn, gain inspiration, and witness the true power and freedom that comes with becoming the person that you are meant to be. Why the World Needs You is a community of purpose-driven individuals who are passionate, gifted, and have a zest for life. They deeply desire to share their unique voice and gifts in order to make the world a better place for themselves and future generations. They are pulled to a different way of living and a higher purpose, while remaining grounded in their desire to engage and contribute in practical ways. My goal is for you to walk away from each episode with confidence and conviction, sharing your authentic self with the world, as well as a deepening understanding of your potential to impact the world in a way that makes sense to you. I am honored to have this privilege. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day and your journey. Hello, and welcome to the Why the World Needs You podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Fritz, and today I have Maggie Awad here with me. Maggie is a relationship life coach that helps people set boundaries and live in their truth. She's also a nurse practitioner that helps people live their best lives by changing their mindset to create a more healthy, fulfilling life. Maggie, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Honored. Well, Maggie and I met, oh man, I don't even know how long it's been now. Probably <laughs> what, like a year and a half ago or something? Yeah, yeah. Um, via via Instagram and we just really connected over kind of our experiences and like really getting in the meat of the coaching journey for each of us. Um, Maggie just has such an interesting story. So I wanted to bring her on to share that today. Um, Maggie, why don't we just start with that? Let's just talk a little bit about your story and we'll just kind of go from there. Where, What kind of got you to, to where you're at? You know, I can, I can go as deep as you want. Um, let's, yeah, let's, let's do it. <laughs> Wherever, whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty much an open book and, and I, and I like to be because I know that our stories is what shapes the world, you know, you know, being in our true authentic selves, it's not just blurting out exactly every single detail, but it's to the point where if there is something that I can share that will help someone make a pivot or shift in their life, you know, I'm happy to do that. So as far as the coaching space, I've been in the coaching space for about 10 years, nine years, nine years of it. I was doing it just kind of like as a side for free, you know, not making a really a big business out of it or anything like that. It was just kind of just a service that I w- was doing for other women and that were having a lot of problems in their relationships, uh, mostly with addicts or alcoholics And I've been a nurse for um, 14 years. And although I love nursing and working with my patients, I just felt like there was just a bigger calling for me. And I just didn't know exactly what it was. A friend of mine had recommended a book called The Alchemist. I'm not sure if you read that book. So good. It's amazing. And she was like, Maggie, you need to read this book. And so I read it about a year ago and 
I was like, you know, if I don't go into coaching, then I, I just feel like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not listening to that guide that they talk about in the book. So I started coaching specifically with relationships. The reason why I chose that is because personally, I've had a history of being with in a marriage for 18 years, I was married to an addict and alcoholic and um, it was a very painful process. I would say for the most part, maybe the last five years of my marriage before I filed for divorce, uh, there was a lot of chaos. There was a lot of uncertainty. Um, it, It became to where I just completely lost myself and who I was. I lost joy in my life. I lost um, uh, friends <laughs> uh, because I was just constantly talking about my problems and I just needed to be seen and, and heard. And they just didn't really have a solution for me. And I attended a group called Al-Anon, which is a 12-step program for friends and family uh, for uh, alcoholics and addicts. And that completely changed my life. It was a place where I was able to um, get the tools to be able to relate to someone that was very, very sick. And that was something that I did not know that people that were alcoholics and addicts, they're not bad people. They're sick people. And, but the, but going back to the beginning of my marriage, I got married at the age of 18 and I was very young. I just, came from a very, very strict household background, Middle Eastern background. And my dad's belief system is, you know, if you, if you get married after the age of 23, you're considered old or something like that. So marriages in the Middle East is very common at a younger age. And so I did get married and he was very charming and he was very funny But my tendency is I didn't realize that he was an addict and an alcoholic and I didn't know that. And then I had codependent tendencies. And when you have two people like that, it's a disaster. It's a call for where I was in a mode of constantly fixing him or mothering him. And um, it was just not, it was just not great. Now, why did I, why did it take me so long for me to, to in the marriage? And that is because I was completely living out of wounding. I was living out of not as an adult, but I was living as a child. And I didn't know that until I started doing the work. I wasn't, you know, 20, 25 year old Maggie. I was a seven year old Maggie that was just living out a story of trying to uh, trying to get attention from my dad or trying to be loved or trying to, trying to be seen. And so it was a lot of work. It was a lot of internal work that I had to do and really get clear and honest with myself in the end of my marriage of, am I going to continue to accept unacceptable behavior or am I just going to probably end up checking myself in a psych ward because it was going to, it was one of those two. And I had to really make it a really tough decision. 
at the time I had a eight month old and I had a, um, they're 10 years apart an 11 year old. And the bottom was, is he tried to commit suicide. Um, and, uh, he ended up going out, you know, off to rehab. And I come to realize that it wasn't just alcohol, but it was also sex addiction as well. Um, and a lot of truths came out, uh, and they were very painful that he was acting out throughout the whole marriage. And I had no idea. And so again, I had to get really completely honest with myself and say, okay, this is not a healthy relationship. And this is a a person that has been living a double life. And I had, I had no idea at all other than the fact that I know the one thing that really stand out to, out to me was, is I was always deviated from my reality. So uh, some of my clients that I work with that are affected by partner betrayal is the first sign is that you're just completely gaslighted all the time. So when you see something and you feel something, it is completely shut down and shoved down. And uh, you listen, you listen to that. And that is because personally for me as a child, when I would see something or feel something that was not normal, that was completely shoved down. So over time, I've learned to not listen to my intuition. And it was work. It took working with a therapist and also working with a mentor that was in my 12 step group to be able to really unravel a lot of things within me. Why am I attracted to, why am I attracting relationships like this? Cause he wasn't the first relationship. And what are my boundaries? I mean, I basically became a doormat culturally and also religiously we're taught that you're supposed to, you're supposed to just stick with the marriage and, um, you know, you're taught to, uh, make it work. But the problem is with that when you're dealing with addiction is you start getting into codependent tendencies and where you completely lose yourself. So that is why I got into the work with boundaries because boundaries completely changed my life. It was very scary. Um, It was speaking my truth for the first time. No, you said this, but this is what I'm seeing. And in the beginning, it's almost like my hands were shaking and my, I had, I had to clear my throat a lot mm-hmm. because that is also the work with speaking your truth is it's, it's, it's not going to feel good. Right. Yeah. That I th- it was really like, I, I mean, thank you for sharing that. And mm-hmm. I think that was like one of the things that was really 
just kind of like underlying this is as I'm listening, how difficult it must have been to see all this happening. So you're kind of like, as you start to become aware and see these things, dealing with that and trying to wrap your head around that, but then also to not only acknowledge those things and deal with it and figure out how you're going to progress, but then also realizing that so much of this falls back on you because at the end of the day, we're all very responsible, right? None of us are, you know, that's not to put blame on ourselves or others for putting ourselves in a situation, but like, as you said, you you know, because of your codependent tendencies, realizing like, oh shit, like I'm stuck in this because of some of my own tendencies, like how difficult was it to balance this act of like realizing these things, trying to shift your life, understanding that you have a piece in this as well, and then trying to become kind of like this new assertive boundary creating human, like that's so much. (laughs) It is. And it is not, I can tell you, um, it is not celebrated in, in my family. This is truly a generational, I mean, I call it generational trauma. Mm-hmm. It's, yep. it's, it's more at a cellular level. And that's why I think it is so painful to go through that process because mm-hmm. in, it takes one person in the family to say, this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like this is not right. My aunt has stuck with something like this or my mother had was stuck with, you know, physical abuse, which I witnessed as a child as well. Mm -hmm. But I also witnessed that she stayed in the marriage. That is a very confusing message to a child. Incredibly. (laughs) Because when you see that, you say to yourself, well, that happened, but you just stick with it. And that's what marriage is. Marriage is about, you know, abuse or emotional abuse or putting the other person down. And so to, to, really, um, to really answer your question about the whole boundaries, it's really hard. It's really hard to put those boundaries, but it's not hard for the people that are healthy because the people that are healthy and that truly love you are the ones that are going to want to, are the ones that are going to want to do that for you and honor your boundaries. It's like you're teaching people how to treat you when you do set boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yep. People that honor it are going to want the people that love you are going to want to be like, gosh, you know, just tell me how I could love you because that's my job. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to give that to you. And so I always say, if you're in a position where you can't even have the hard conversations, then you really have to reevaluate that relationship, whether it's with your partner or a friend or a coworker. Because that is what true love is. It's it's not 
I mean, of course, there's, there's ways of saying that. I mean, we don't just blurt out every single thing that crosses our mind. But what I'm saying is, if, the, if we have certain wants and needs to be able to articulate that without being afraid of abandonment. And that's really kind of at the crux of it, right? Is like, going back to what you were saying about how you are literally shaking when you are trying to set a boundary because, and again, this goes back to our conditioning, but also this really starts to set in at a cellular level and has an effect on our nervous system. And it's so, so deep. So when you're trying to do this, when you're trying to shift this, I mean, you're truly trying to change everything about how your brain and your body is programmed. So I understand, you know, I've been there too, like setting boundaries is something that is is still a constant work in progress for me. It's something that felt incredibly uncomfortable and in a very different way than yours and the reasons for it different. But at the end of the day, like that's still, we have that in common, right? In terms of you and I, but like also just we, just being a general term, like we all, if we need to learn to do that work, which most of us do, it's incredibly difficult. So for you, what were the first couple steps? How did you baby step your way into it? And how have you been able to work through that? And even, I mean, even share to like how you help your, your clients through that, because like you said, it can just be so, so difficult at first and really continues to be. Yeah. So the work that I did for me, the work that I had to really do was see my therapist, she was, she wore the velvet glove, but she also had a hammer. And what I mean by that is that she gave me some compassion, but at the same time, she gave me some accountability and having someone there that is going to give you both is so important because we also have to meet people where they're at. Mm -hmm. And so my work is I meet people where they're at. I can't expect just because this is something that I find maybe a little bit easier and I still struggle with boundaries too. I mean, there's times where I just say yes to everything. So it's a, it's an ongoing process, but meeting people where they're at. The first thing that I do is let's, let's talk about, let's talk about the consequences of not what will happen if you don't. Mm -hmm. And once people start looking at the consequences and see it on paper, it's like, man, if I don't, then what's going to happen? I'm going to end up having underlying resentment. I'm going to be unhappy. You know, I'm going to, I'm not going to be fulfilled. I'm not going to have joy. I'm, um, I may not get respect. Cause that's the thing is that have you ever come across somebody where that has just amazing boundaries and they're very clear and you feel so safe around them. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? You know how to act. You know what to expect. <laughs> you know how they, you know how they're going to act. You know what to expect. You know, if you ask them something and they say no, then it's a no. Or if they say yes, and that's a true yes. It's not like you're trying to figure out what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. And people with, bound, with bad boundaries being in, you know, uh, having a relationship with someone that has bad boundaries, you're thinking, 
okay, do they really want to do this? Or am I making them do this? Or do they really want to be with me? Do they really want to spend time with me? Versus someone that has good boundaries, you just know. And it, it's kind of a feeling of safety. And going back to as children, I have two kids. You know, routine, boundaries, consistency provides safety. I love that. And I think that's so important. So many of us grew up with the messaging of setting boundaries being a, you know, almost like a bad thing. Like you do what people want, you make other people happy, you make other people feel comfortable. So it's, it's funny because like, as you know, with what you're saying, it's like kind of everything that we were told to make other people feel, it's like, we need to set boundaries in order to do that. But we're almost taught the opposite of like, don't set boundaries. And I'm, again, I'm speaking for, I'm not saying everybody, but for a lot of people, this is the case where don't rock the boat, avoid confrontation, avoid conflict, like just go with the flow and kind of back to like what you were saying with, with the marriage thing. It's like, you just stick with somebody, just stick with it. You figure it out, you make it work. And it's so it's so detrimental, right? Anyways, before I tangent there, (laughs) I want to come back to setting boundaries. It's, it's important. You're saying it's important. It's changed your life. Can you give an example for anybody that doesn't quite know what that means? Can you give a, like a literal example, like one or two of like, what, what is setting a boundary? How do you do that? Well, I mean, it just really just depends on the situation. So one way you can take one way you can look at it is, you know, even having boundaries with a partner that is going to schedule wise, creating a schedule is also setting a boundary as well. So I just want to, I just kind of want to, you know, let the audience know for people that are new to setting boundaries is that boundaries are, are not walls and they can change depending on the relationship. So for example, uh, a boundary that, you know, I had to set with my ex-husband while he was drinking was, okay, I will not allow you to drive around with the kids if you are under the influence if you choose to do that. And that's the thing is that you don't want to it the boundaries. is not about control. It's not about controlling the other person. It's about creating safety. So if it's about control, then it, you're manipulating the situation. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you'd say to that person, okay, if you choose to engage in this behavior, this is what I will have to do to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. This is what I have to do to take care because you can't control other people. The only person that you can really control is yourself. Right. So it's basically, it's more or less you're setting the expectation of in this situation, I need this or, and really just like stating that. And I think for, again, for me, for, for my wife, like, to give examples, the way that we always felt growing up about this kind of stuff was like, if you set a boundary, if you set an expectation, if you asked 
if you stated your needs, you were you were being a burden, basically. You were being a burden on somebody else to work around you or and <laughs> And hope, hopefully Jesse doesn't mind this, but I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw out an example for, for her on the podcast. Is um, for her, it's like when she's setting boundaries. A lot of times, she will end up doing so aggressively mm. because because now the pendulum is kind of swung where she she didn't use to set boundaries for herself, and so now it's like she's learning how to do it in, in a healthier way but her kind of her tendency is to set this boundary harshly. I do plenty of these things myself where it's like, I just still won't set boundaries and then I'll be resentful later. And so we'll get into an argument because of a boundary that I didn't set. So I think to me, what I've learned about boundaries and um, I'm curious to hear your response on this because this is while I understand them, it's still not my area of expertise like yours, but for me, I didn't set boundaries because boundaries took effort. Boundaries were work. And so I avoided that because it was like, okay, you know what? I don't want to deal with confrontation right now. I don't want to deal with conflict. I'm just going to avoid it. I'm not going to set a boundary when really in the end, it's just going to snowball and create this bigger problem, this bigger conflict, confrontation in the end. So I really boiled setting boundaries down to it takes energy it takes work but if you can learn to do that right here right now that takes a lot less effort than the fallout later on and you know i had a conversation with someone about this yesterday is that it's never about the dishes right Right. Exactly. It's it's never about how we put back the dishes. And that's the thing is, you know, and especially around during this quarantine time, just to make it relatable to the audience right now at is that have a check-in with your partner, have a check-in and acknowledge how hard this could be. You know, if routines have changed, you know, there's a lot of, you know, grief that's going on and, and people deal with these feelings very differently and men deal with them differently than women or vice versa. So before things start boiling up, I always just encourage people to do check-ins and be like, you know, Hey, I, you know, I I just want to check in and see how you're doing you know, I know this is a really difficult time. There's a lot of uncertainty. You know, how are you feeling? How are you feeling about all this? How can I support you? How can I support you during this time? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is that having these conversations, having these check-ins, whether it was like post-corona or pre-corona, having a daily check-in with each other is going to save a lot of heartache, you know? Mm-hmm. How do you feel? How do you feel? How am I showing up as a partner? What can we do to, you know, uh, create, you know, more intimacy between us and get creative because I feel like a lot of people lose that after the, the honeymoon stage yep. or, you know, after a year where like you just want to look good and you want to prove yourself to that partner and people would just, act like that throughout the duration of their relationship 
I think that's very healthy. It just keeps it more like on a growth versus uh, being stagnant. And well, I'm already, you know, they're already with me. So I don't need to ask. I don't need to engage. And I think that's where a lot of the resentment also comes in. And people should also know that, you know, we're not mind readers. Like if you mm-hmm. want something, we really, we have to speak up and say, Hey, can you do this for me? Can, is, is this something that you're able to, you know, engage in or offer or so just continue to have those conversations. is really important. Thank you so much for that because I just want to highlight that for everybody listening. That is just so, so key. And, you know, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of therapy and I'm always like, you know, as I'm using Jesse and as an example, like I, I like being transparent about that stuff. We like being transparent. Like we go to couples therapy and it's just so helpful, but I want to highlight what you're saying, Maggie. And again, thank you for that because that's something that seems so small but you should take very, very seriously about actually implementing. And what I've seen both from my relationship and others is I think a lot of people, I love that you said the mind reader thing because I was, I was totally going to go there because that was something that Jesse, you know, it was like, she's like, Oh, like he can't just read my mind, but people, I think have this tendency to be, to have this very romanticized vision or um, feeling of what love is, what a relationship is. And they're like, Oh, well, you know what, if they can't, if they can't anticipate my needs, then, then they don't understand me or they don't deserve to be with me or like anything along those lines. And it's like, look, that's, that's not the point, right? Like, like we're all human. And if we need something, it's important for us to say that if we need to set a boundary, because we don't want a certain thing. It's important to say that. And really everything that you know you were just saying can really just come down to one word and that's communication. And that's so, so important. And people just think that, again, I'll just go back to what I said, like we're in love, things will just work out. Like this is just, we'll be happy because we've always been, or we were in that first year, like you were saying. And I just want to finish with what you said about it being a growth process. The partnership grows, each individual grows if you allow it the space. And that's one of the beauties of a relationship, right? Is the ability to do that. And so if you're, if you're not open to that, if you're not having these conversations, if you're not communicating, if you're not setting boundaries, and tripping over them and, you know, having these conversations around like, oh, like we fucked that up again. Like (laughs) there's just having this back and forth. I really think that people just kind of have this very romanticized vision of what love should be. And it's just not a real expectation when it comes to like what love and a relationship can really be and the kind of like the work that it takes to, to really get it to that place. Yeah. I, there's an acronym for love, which I love. And 
It is letting others volunteer, voluntarily evolve. Oh, I haven't heard that. I love that. Others voluntarily evolve. And that's the thing is that we need to let people be. And my work is around a lot of people come to me about relationships and whether it's, you know, with their boyfriend or their, their, their wife or husband or girlfriend or whatever it is. And it's like, let's talk about you. Let's talk about how's your relationship with yourself. How's your mindset? How's your fitness? How's your eating habits? How's, how are you doing? Because sometimes when we're not doing well, it's so easy to look at other people and look at their character defects and look at the fault that's in them. And so the work that I love to do is to bring it back to yourself. And that's exactly what you were saying earlier. You know, we kind of touched on that a couple different times, how important that is. And I mentioned the word responsibility. So I think the the words that I really like are like radical responsibility or radical ownership and understanding that at the end of the day, we need to take ownership for who we are, how we're showing up, our reactions, things like that. And just to go back to the support thing real quick, you mentioned that. Again, it's a super simple question. How can I support you? Because I've shared a little bit about Jesse, I'll, I'll come back to myself here exactly with the theme of it comes back to us, right? For me, that's been something where it was as simple as me asking that to her every day. How can I support you today? How can I support you during this time? How can I support you in this situation that I know you, that stresses you out? And that was something that I wasn't doing. And so it's kind of this ping pong of, of seeing this other person and having you both evolve. But again, bringing it back to you saying, oh, what is this, what is this person being a mirror for me? You know, what is this saying about me? What is, what can I learn about myself? And we kind of come back to the inner work there, right? And so I think for a lot of people, that's a scary thing. It's scary. They don't want to face that in the mirror. They don't want to see that. They don't want to be confronted with that. And so they shy away, they make it about the other person and, or, you know, find any number of, of ways to, um, kind of run from that. Yeah. So for you, you know, you mentioned the inner work early on. And as I'm kind of going back there myself, what was really important? So for one, if you can just do like a quick, what does that mean? Um, for anybody that doesn't know, um, you talked a little bit about like inner child, so, so important. And then also what, so for anybody that's really kind of resonating or that sounds interesting, how would they take steps towards doing that work? So define it for us first, just kind of like a little nutshell of like what that is, what that looks like, and then how to get into it. How would you suggest somebody get into it? Yeah, that's a good question, Ben. Um, so Inner child work, basically I take him and I have him do a more of like a family outline in the beginning. It's looking into like your family system. 
I have questions and, and homework and modules that we go through um, to, to really just kind of dig deep into your mom, your dad, your grandparents, what were their tendencies? What did they look, how did they act? What did they believe? And then what I do is have them take that and then kind of just circle and see what, how your beliefs, how does that match them? They will either say, oh my God, I'm in a relationship with my mom or I'm in a relationship right now with my dad because the blueprint of our relationships start with our parents first. So I always say, you know, whether you realize it or not, you're either married to one of them because that's what we see sexy. That's what we see attractive. That's really important. I also kind of look into fears what are your fears? And a lot of people that I work with have a fear of abandonment. Obviously, if they're not putting boundaries, it's because they have a fear of losing people that they love. And so going through that and taking them through the journey of, you know, how does this show up in my life today? Taking inventory of each relationship they have with, with each person and seeing how they can take those fears and see what, what is their part. And that you touched on that earlier today is, you know, what is my, what is my part in this and why am I holding on to this? And so there's series, there's definitely, it's, it's, it's not an overnight process. And a lot of it is also, going through committing to daily rituals every single day and doing meditation, um, really tapping into your intuition, trusting your reality, trusting how you're feeling, even if it doesn't make sense. Cause that's the thing is a lot of people that I do work with are more, are very intellectual people and they're more in their head space than their heart mm-hmm. space. Yeah. So the journey from the head to the heart is a very long journey and it, it takes a while to really shift from that because what they think is good for them is not what they feel is good for them. So it's more just tapping into your feeling, you know, what are you feeling? How does this make you feel? And that part's, that part's huge. I I got a big grin on my face as soon as you said, you know, the the journey from the head to the heart is a long one because the people that I work with, that's usually the case too. The blueprint that they've created and follow is so much in their mind. And so they identify so heavily with that and they've gotten so far off track in their lives because of that. So it's interesting just to make that connection. You know, the, the work that you and I do is related, but different in the types of people that we work with. But it's funny how, so many of these themes are underlying in that if we were just in touch with our bodies and our hearts, our intuition, having the ability to have this awareness around our feelings and the sensations in our body, we've kind of, I think as our culture, we've really kind of put our our minds on a pedestal, right? Of Mm -hmm. like, it's this incredible thing, which it is, it truly is. It's a, it's an amazing tool and we should be very grateful for it, but we've, totally forgotten about our our body's innate wisdom and the knowledge that it has 
all that to say, I just really wanted to highlight that part of it and that for anybody wanting to get in touch with themselves, anybody wanting mm-hmm. to, if you can feel that something off, is off in your life or there's a lot of, you know, like shit's hitting the fan all over the place, start there, I would say, is like really start learning how to tune into what you're feeling and and slowing the mind down. Once you've given people this work, what's like one of the hardest things you see like that they go through and where do you see that they really need somebody there holding your hand? Because I've experienced that and it's something that I don't think that anybody can truly do alone. I think there's, I think a coach or a mentor can always help, but I think this is one of those things that I really, I don't, I don't know. I I really don't think you can do this work alone. So what are your thoughts on that? And what are your thoughts on like finding a coach or a mentor early on in your journey? I, I mean, I highly recommend it. And the reason being is because while you are making shifts, it's so important to have people that have your back and that speak your language. Because if you are coming from a family system that don't speak the truth, tuck things under the rug, don't set boundaries, then you're going to have a really, you're going to feel like you're the crazy one. Mm-hmm. And they might say that you are the crazy one. Yeah. And, and again, it's, it feels like a lonely journey. So when I started, I, I definitely needed to have a mentor to be able to bounce back off of and for her to be my cheerleader. But also the reality is, is that some people don't have that. And so it's learning how to trust yourself mm-hmm. and setting affirmations. And you can write that down and say, you know, I'm on a path to healing. This is something that I need to do to save my sanity. I mean, it's just kind of like writing those down. So that way you are affirming this is the right thing for you to do. So it is difficult. And, and if you can have a mentor or coach to help you through with that, I would, I would highly encourage you to do that. As we start to wrap up here, anything, we kind of jumped around a little bit, anything throughout this. So, I mean, specifically going back to your, your process, your experiences, but also what you've noticed with clients, is there anything within this that we didn't quite hit on or anything that you wanted to really mention or highlight for people? Yeah. I wanted to highlight also your mindset and getting your mind right. Because something like, like changing yourself is also changing your habits. And um, I, as you know, you know, I also work, in the health field as well. And that's what I tell, you know, my patients too, is that if you want change, you've got to change your habits. And what does that look like for you on a daily basis? So, you know, getting your mind right in the morning is going to be extremely important. What do you do right when you get up in the morning? Do you check your cell phone? Do you go on, scroll on Instagram? Do you, you know, are you in the comparison trap? Are you getting your mind right and really diving into things like journaling, meditation, prayer, 
whatever that looks like, going for a walk, filling your cup as much as possible. And and self-care more than ever around this time is going to be, it's going to be so important because right now we're just in a lot of uncertainty and fear and making sure that you fill your cup first. So we're just less triggered throughout the day. Because if you don't do that, you're just, you're just going to be triggered if someone put back the dishes the improper way, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So just things like that, little things like that, that I really encourage the audience to take a look at is, is how can I get my mind right? So that way I'm able to show up for myself and show up for the people that I love around me in the best way possible. Yeah. So good. It's, it's really, you know, obviously with the, the work that I do too, like that's such a huge part of it. And, uh, it's one of those things where I think people can be like, Oh, like mindset feels like a buzzword or like, Oh, like it's not that big of a deal. Or like, I know it's a, it's important, but, but it truly is like, it's really the foundation of everything. And like you're saying, you have to do so in order to set yourself up for success. And everything else is just going to be so much harder if you don't learn to create habits around that and have an awareness and a control of that to begin with. So that has to shift before pretty much before anything else. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much. This has been so fun. I've got one little segment here uh, left to do. It's a couple quick questions. It's really like, no stress if if you don't have anything that comes to mind, but really just, I call it the visionary hat trick. And the, the reason is it's three questions. And I believe that we're all visionaries in our own way. And it's, I have, you know, I've had you on today because I, I love your vision and what you're doing. And so these things are just kind of like fun little questions. So if you're ready for it, I'll start you with the first one. Which is like I'm on a game show or something, right? (laughs) (laughs) Share one belief that you have that sounds wild or crazy or that you worry about being judged about. That you can practice more than one religion. Oh, I like that. That's, that's a new one. Yeah. It was something I was thinking about yesterday. Like there's rules who said you could, just pick one. I like that. I feel like we could have a whole podcast on that. That's 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 really interesting. Okay. Um, second one. When you realize your vision personally, um, notice I said when, not if. What does that look like and what impact will that have? When I realize my vision. Oh. It's a big For question. <laughs> well, for for me to help as many people as possible, I mean, I just want to be Oprah. Is that okay? Like, yeah, I just I think I that's just, a great answer. <laughs> no, can I just be Oprah? Like, I just want to be able to serve as many people as possible and make just a shitload of money, and I want to give it back. Mm-hmm. Because I really truly believe that people, good people make that amazing people and, and 
people that are, that are really uh, intentional and really empathetic that do become millionaires or billionaires um, make an impact in life. And that's what I want to do. Oh, so good. I'm, I'm right there with you on that one. Rewriting those, those money, <laughs> those money beliefs, right? It's like yeah, whoever said money was bad, you know, or, or why did we say that? Because, because people, yeah. When yeah. The people make money, they do great things with it. Yep. It's, that's a, a powerful, powerful thing. Um, so that, that kind of flows right into the last question, which is like, we're zooming out. We're thinking really big picture now. What is your hope for humanity? My help for humanity is just to realize that they are not powerless and that they have power within themselves, that they have superpowers. Because there was a point in my life where I just felt I didn't have anything to contribute. I, my word didn't mean much. And just for, just for people to really know that each and every single one of us have, you know, a superpower and we all have something to contribute. Oh, that's, that's amazing. I could have, I couldn't have scripted that any better because that's truly the theme of my podcast and like why, you know, why I want you know, awesome people like you on here sharing your journey and what you've learned and your experiences because you are exactly right. And I, I think that it's really all about us stepping into that and and knowing that it's hard. It's hard, hard work. But if you can do that, it's so worth it. That's that's the point that's important to mention is it's so worth it and if you can do that and you have the courage to do the work, then you're going to do great things. Mm-hmm. Maggie, thanks so much for coming on. This is so much fun. Um, where can the people find you? I'll put all the links in the show notes below. Yeah. So I'm very, very active on Instagram. Um, and Guys, go follow Maggie's Instagram. If anything <laughs> about this conversation is interested in you, her content is awesome. She's a boundary setting machine and uh, it's great stuff. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I'm also going to start incorporating just some more health um, content as well, just because I feel like that is also something that I just truly am passionate about, Um, especially just in the, in the healthcare industry. I just feel like there's a lot of lies. And so I want to put that out there. And that is also a way of tapping into your power is realizing that there, we, we have the innate power to, to change ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, like I said, I will put all that stuff in the show notes below. You guys go follow Maggie. Maggie, thank you again. Hey, yo, thanks so much for listening. I truly hope you enjoyed today's episode. Just a reminder that all the relevant links can be found in the show notes below as well as that of our free Facebook community, where all the cool kids are at, just being ourselves, sharing our gifts, and supporting the hell out of one another. So come on in, introduce yourself, and join the party. See you in there.